Hi, everybody. I'm here once again with Robert Phoenix for our Astro Fix, the winter of 2020. Hard to even believe we're in 2020. Seems like we were just freaking out over 2000 and all the glitches. Anyway, uh, Robert warned us, is warning us in advance that uh, this is a tough period of time coming up. So I'm just giving you a heads up right now. We're going to look at the reality of uh, what the stars are laying out for us. And we're also going to look at the opportunity within each of these points, because I think it's really important. We're all here. We're all here together. We're all here by choice on some level. So let's do this thing. So Robert, welcome. Hey, Regina. It's great to be back and thank you. And um, yeah, it just seems like yesterday where we're all freaking about, about Y2K and, um, and how big a deal that was going to be and we barely had enough time to catch our breath from Y2K, and then we were hit smack dab right in the third eye with 9-11, yeah. and um, the world hasn't been the same since. Time hasn't been the same since, and here we are. We're starting off on our, um, what, our almost our third decade, second decade now in the, mm -hmm. in the 2000s, and mm -hmm. we're in the 20s, and uh, things are going to get ramped up real quickly here. Yeah, and you know what? I, I'm tempted to be very cliche and say winter is coming, but it actually has some meaning. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, there are dark phases humanity passes through. Uh, that's just a reality. And then we pass through the light again. And I think to handle um, the, the more challenging phases with grace uh, and wisdom and connection to one another is really the key. And so when we're going through and talking about each of these aspects, um, let's at the, at the end of each major one, let's talk about what the opportunity is for us by way of learning, by way of uh, awakening and choosing to awaken to hidden truths that we may have hidden from ourselves and any opportunities we see in that because I think it's really important for us to see something that can appear one way does not have to be devastating we need to always remember that that we always have power in the situation to use it to the best possible uh, and I say advantage not in this to take advantage of but to take advantage of the learning embedded in it so with all of that long windup, first of all, we're going to go to the fact 2020, just the, the, the number 2020. Let's go to that first, Robert. Yeah, 2020 is a really interesting number because you have embedded inside of that essentially two 20s. Uh, and 20 is the number of the judgment card in the major arcana. And a, a, a number of people um, who follow this, I'm sure, are very well versed in tarot and esoteric systems. But for those who are not, the, the judgment card, which is also known as the Aeon, represents the end of one age and the beginning of another age. And what's, what's kind of interesting now is that where we are with 2019 if you add um, 19 and 2 together, you get 21, which is the world card in the major arcana. So 2019 represents kind of the height or the apotheosis of a cycle of time. So we're completing the run of the major arcana through the Gregorian calendar. And when we hit 2020, when I talked about the 220s, it really breaks down to 22. And 22 takes us into the full card, which is the alpha stage, not the omega stage, but something, is, something new is coming in 2020. However, that said, um, I mean, we saw this in a lot of ways with um, – you know, Y2K, which is what we were talking about, was the end of kind of one epoch and era and the beginning of something new. We hit the world card in 2001, and then the world came tumbling down with the World Trade Center, right? Okay, so we have precedent, chronological precedent here. So we're coming into something new. The wrinkle here now are these 220s, which the Aeon represents, again, this heralding of the of the old 
uh, of the new and the demise of the old. We're having it two times. So I could, I could see where we would have at some point two major events in the coming year that will really put a capstone on the period between 2010 and 2019. And because we're dealing with that 22 energy, that, that Uranian energy, um, it's not going to be business as usual. And look, I'll, I'll be, I want to be clear about this too. The fool in the major arcana also represents the ability to have quantum leaps. Um, in as much as the fool can be absolutely foolish in the tradition of, uh, of the Heiokaya or um, Hermes or the trickster, um, there can also be um, amazing uh, feats of adroit navigation in leaping from one state to the other. So keep that. People need to keep this in mind because there will be times when I think we're all going to be called to make radical pivots in our lives and fortune favors the bold. So Absolutely. If you, if you want to hang on to the old paradigm, the old paradigm is not going to be there. Right. And, and that's important for us all, to all get our mind around. We've been ramping up to it for a while. And I also wanted to bring up that in numerology, the number 22 itself is a master number. Yes, it can be reduced to four and is reduced to four, but standalone 22 is a master number. And that has a higher capability within it. Right. And that, and again, I'm just going to, you know, play a little bit of the devil's advocate here, right? And this cuts both ways, right? So for us, it's like, okay, here you go. Here's your, here's your, here's your test, right? Are, are you willing to take your master's exam? Yeah. Right? I mean, we can, yes. we can, defi we can define it that way. Right. And, and trust me, we've all had plenty of time to prep for this. And if you haven't, if you haven't prepped for this, you, bet, you better start cracking your internal books, okay? Now, that said, on the other side of, of the story, you know, the uh, quote-unquote um, managers of this domain, this planet, uh, also see 22 as being intrinsic to their script as well, right? So if they're the master builders, what are they building? What do they have in mind and what do they have to tear down? Because one of the things that um, is very prevalent in that uh, judgment card is Gabriel blowing his horn. And so we see the destruction, right? We, we see the destruction of the world or we see the fall of an age or we see um, uh, the fall of a temple, you know, however, however this translates. So we're going to see this this year. It is coming, I'm telling you. And, and there is a plan and a goal in mind for the master builders to move something new into place. And, you know, that's a whole other discussion. Now, are you talking master builders as in more master manipulators? The ones right, that exactly. I mean, I think the people that, the people that um, uh, found, and I use the word in quotes, found our culture and found our civilization, and right. then built upon it. But the one thing they rely upon is the masses remaining unconscious. This is critical. And we are being herded in that direction in mass. But at the same time, many people are stepping up into this more masterful, masterful part of themselves. This is certainly, I mean, if you look back into years, hundreds of years past, even a hundred years ago, far more people are aware of the nature of reality and the nature of their own reality um, than were before. So I think, you know, the silver lining to this is if we've been paying attention, if we've been doing the work and we've been um, willing to look at the things that are really difficult within ourselves, our culture and the human species, I think we're well positioned to take this period on in a masterful way. Well, I hope so. I mean, I, 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 I think uh, most of the people that I interact with, the people from my world, who, by the way, are, are very much commingled with your world. Yes. Um, it's a very switched on group of people yeah. and, not just switched on in a kind of a conventional sense. I mean, these are people 
that are really willing to look at uh, truths that may make them feel very uncomfortable in some way. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and cross lines that um, will, will at times um, alienate them from family and friends. And I, and I'm not even really talking about your typical kind of left and right or blue or red debate. I mean, these right. are much, much deeper kinds of questions and issues about the nature of reality, who controls it, why, who's pitted against one another, why is this happening, has it happened before, right? All these things. And then, and then, and then being able to zoom in and look at the groups, the individuals, and the consciousness who seem to be driving these events while at the same time not falling into a state of victimhood. Yes. that's the other thing. It's really easy for us to sit back and say, oh, it's the Jews or it's the Zionists or it's the Russians or it's the bankers or it's the socialists or, you know, or it's the KKK or whoever that is, right? And, and a lot of that might be true. And a lot of the work that I've done Seems to say a lot of these groups are got their have blood on their hands, okay. But at the same time, we've got to get to the next level, and the next level is about transcending that so that we can have a different kind of reality that emerges from inside of us and then begins to manifest on the outer. So then, let's launch in. You you just a minute ago said so. Fortune favors the bold. Let's just say um, our own internal spiritual wealth uh, favors the bold. How's that? <laughs> okay, and we're going to go from that platform today. So let's let's start with the eclipse, the final eclipse of the year, which is the day after Christmas. So what's happening just immediately before Christmas? People will be seeing this at that time. Okay. Right. So just immediately before Christmas, we, we have, uh, of course, Jupiter moving into the sign of Capricorn. And that's really the, the big news of the universe. And it happens um, kind of right at the start of December. So um, even though Sagittarius will still have a great deal of, of energy and output due to the fact that we're in the final days of Jupiter and Sag. I think tomorrow is the last day of Jupiter and Sag. So we're still catching some of that updraft via the sun. Um, and then Mercury will come back around from its retrograde path and move into Sagittarius. And then later, um, when we get into uh, January, uh, Mars moves into Sagittarius. So we still have a lot of Sagittarian energy with us, which has been a very interesting uh, journey because of the truth factor that's been involved with this. Now it's been in this kind of turgid conflict with Neptune for most of the year and trying to get to what truth really is or what's behind what's happening um, can be very, very difficult and has, has been difficult. But as Jupiter's begin to separate from Neptune, things are becoming clearer. And, and I feel like the last three to four weeks of this past month, um, I've been incredibly clear, and I think a lot of other people have been, which is why I've been talking about how this period in November, right around from um, the middle of November to the end of November, has been vitally important. And for people to soak up as much of this time as possible for where we're headed. Now, Jupiter brings expansion and brings more of whatever jupiter represents right so what happens when it appears with capricorn well that's so in capricorn capricorn typically represents things like the government corporations ceos the world not the uh creation of laws but the execution of laws which is quite interesting because i saw recently where Gavin Newsom had to sign 870 bills into law. Why does the state need 870 bills? I mean, I'm sure there's probably a, a valid explanation in there somewhere, but as we leave one sign, and I've always talked about this, as we leave one sign and the next sign is coming, those final degrees give us an insight into what's ahead. So by that act alone, by Gavin Newsom signing 870 bills, 
I can easily foresee that the coming year, Jupiter will bring us huge amounts of government. Big, big government. We're going to see more of what Gavin Newsom did, probably on a state level, probably on a national level, quite likely on a global level. So, um, you know, good luck. Good luck in, in 20, 2020. If you are anti-government or if you want less government, you're going to stare that right in your face. And now what's also interesting about this is that as a result of this, um, we are actually going to be able to see it, right? We're going to see it. It's not going to be hiding out anymore. It's not going to be like, oh, well, you know, while you guys are arguing about impeachment, oh, we're just going to re-up the Patriot Act while you're not looking, right? Yeah. So we're going to see more of this. And all of a sudden, I think even people who have been on the sidelines or they may have been staunchly in this camp, like I could easily see people on the Trump side going, what's going on here? I mean, I thought we signed up for less of this, right? And then I can easily see people on the left saying, well, what's going on here? Um, we don't like this. You know, even though theoretically it might favor us in some ways, there's still a gross overreach here. So when, when this excess begins to come up, it's like inescapable. So people can look at it and go, you know, there's something wrong on this, on, on, something wrong here. So maybe we need to step in and begin to limit some of, because Saturn's going to be there too, right? I mean, we're going to have Saturn most of this year as well. Part of a 30 years, a 20 year cycle, which, which uh, has this Jupiter Saturn conjunction taking place. And the last time it happened was 2000, which is what we were talking about mm-hmm. uh, when Jupiter and Saturn were in Taurus. And then prior to that uh, was 20 years before that. So 1980, uh, Jupiter and Saturn in uh, Virgo, and then again, uh, 1960, Jupiter and Saturn, 61, Jupiter and Saturn, Capricorn. So when we see these cycles, they generally have to do with um, levels of production, uh, resources, and distribution. So then we get into stuff around the economy, and that's the whole other discussion as well. But Jupiter's moving into Capricorn, and on a personal level, it's one of those things where, you know, we, we've gotten into this before, you know, being your own CEO. Um, yeah, I was just trying to get a fact check on something. Um, a major corporation talking about essentially withholding pensions coming up in the future as a potential. And with this, since we're dealing with institutions, we're dealing with a redirection in production and flow. Is this something that would be in alignment with the times coming up as kind of a freezing of pensions and assets and so forth? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, again, one of the things you and I talked about last time is this merging uh, of government and business together, this democratic mm-hmm. kind of uh, institutionalization, which I think is still continuing to happen, is still continuing to roll out. And I, I think one of the things that people really have to watch out for, and this gets into the nodes, which is um, always a kind of an interesting discussion as we go into that final decan of the uh, North Node in Cancer and the South Node in Capricorn. Um, in, in this whole kind of idea of cancer being home and people and nurturing and values and growing and then Capricorn being all that business stuff and government stuff. Well, with the South Node, really, a business and government should be taking a backseat right now to yeah. the needs, the real needs of the kind of this cancerian kind of um, – what's the word I'm looking for, um, agenda or this opportunity, really, right? But here's what's happening. Because we have Pluto in Capricorn and we have Saturn in Capricorn, and now we have Jupiter in Capricorn, what they're doing is they're almost acting like these massive antibodies that are protecting the south node where there's a vulnerability and an opening. And, and instead of allowing kind of this natural shift and balance to take place 
what's being done now is they're propping up this vulnerability in the system, right? And I'll give you a case in point. Again, I'm going to bring it back to the state that you and I are currently in, California. There's now talk that there, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, but the dialogue is out there now that because there's such a massive problem with the homeless that the state of California is beginning to talk about uh, asset seizure and beginning to guess what? Privatize, um, basically, I would call it nationalization, but taking income out of private accounts, putting it into state seized funds or state funds where privatization or private private equity is frozen and seized so they can theoretically take care of the homeless problem. Okay, this is classic. South Node Capricorn, right? Government coming in and saying, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to fix the problem that we helped create. Interesting because talk about the corporate interface, I believe Apple just stepped in and is going to be pitching in a few billion dollars into the homeless projects here in California. Well, that's, that's great. I'd love to see, you know, how that manifests. That'd Mm -hmm. be wonderful. But I, I just, I can see where this is, where this is going. And we just have to be careful with things that on the surface also, I mean, we don't know what kind of strings are attached to that, right? I mean, this is just where I go. This is how my head is. No, I know that that is, that's your bailiwick. Yeah. I mean, so let's say, let's play it out. Let's say Apple says we got all these resources and we have all this money and funding for the homeless, but guess what? The homeless are going to have to be a part of a program where they're going to be tracked. They're going to be bio-identified. You know, there's no free lunch here. Right. I mean, I'm just, I'm just playing it out. I hope you're wrong. I hope you're wrong. Right. I I just think that there's always going to be some benefits. Some, I don't think people are like, I think individuals can be really altruistic. Yeah. That's just my sense. Yeah. The way that they're set up, that's not how they're set up. They're not built on altruism. They're built on always acquiring either more assets or power or control, just like governments. So we are looking at a period then where we have governmental overreach and corporate overreach. Okay. And so now let's look at the hidden, um, now I'm not calling a silver lining, uh, the hidden opportunity for learning or participation on some level that does not, that can counter that and does not buy into that. What did that, what was that? That's like? the mastery piece that you were talking about. Yeah. Because Capricorn does represent some level of mastery, right? It's a, right. It's a theoretically, um, when you hit the midheaven, you're at the top, the theoretical top of the chart, really the, the top is the bottom in a weird inverse kind of way. But it's high noon in the chart, um, and that's the point of contact with the world at large. Yeah. And when you get to that point in your chart, that's where you get to practice some level of mastery in the world. And that's what Capricorn is about. You do something, excuse me, long enough, you get really, really good at it. So in a sense, we can start bringing our ingenuity together, start joining together, and start creating better. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just really time. And, time. And, and, and and so, I mean, but when we, when we get into this, right, I mean, it takes a really um, strong constitution and, and, and kind of an unflinching sense of um, purpose in a lot of ways. Uh, and because we've had a year where Jupiter and Sagittarius has revealed personal truth to us, where, where, we're, where we come up short where we lie, where we hide out, where we can shine, where we can expand. And based on the nature of the cyclical progression of astrology, Capricorn says, great, now you get to put these things into practice, right? That's how it works. Right. So, So there's an opportunity for all of us to operate at a higher level, take even more responsibility for our lives, which, you know, we all have areas that we're weak in. I mean, I'm, I'm the first to, you know, kind of look at my own failings and, and things that I need to work on. Uh, but we, uh, we, this is the time for that. Because you don't do it now, right? This is it. 
Yeah. We have Jupiter, we got Saturn, we got Pluto. This is the time. And after this, after this period of time, the ability to step up and make really powerful, catalytic, cardinal changes is going to go away. So this is important. When the heat's up, now we have to respond. And it sounds like, uh, you know, not to be sappy about it, but genuine deep altruism is the antidote to this kind of sort of clamp down grubbiness that comes about through corporate and governmental overreach. I think so. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, it gets back into this idea of charity. Yeah. And, and kindness. Helping each other. Char- charity and kindness. And that is something that is, it's a real practice, you know, and it's not just like taking 10 bucks out and give it to somebody on, on the street corner. That's, 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 that's easy. And, and many instances does nothing. Right. But charity and kindness is kind of like being in a moment where if you wanted to, you could crush somebody with your thumb, but you don't. And what you do is you give that person kind of an equitable and graceful kind of out. Absolutely. This, I love the point you just made is extending that kind of grace um, when the situation might even call for you to do otherwise in a less conscious state. Um, you know, the notion of the virtues is something I've been playing with for a long time. I've also been playing with the notion of feeling this time intensifying and which I do, I have felt it for quite some time, really starting to get strategic and look around. I brought this up before, it's dog simple, and look and see where your true alliances are, uh, what truly matters to you, where your people are, uh, where you can begin even seeing each other as critical um, assets, so to speak, in one another's life. Uh, If you see that this is something that your road ahead is closing in on you and the options are being narrowed, start looking at other pathways. Where can you go? What can you do? Because the one thing we don't want is for these difficult uh, times to start putting us into a state of fear. That's the worst thing that can happen and should be absolutely avoided at all costs by taking higher action. And if that means we have to change our lifestyle circumstance, Um, and it includes other people, inviting people in, going to other people. I really think it's time to start seriously considering this. I've said it before, but I think we're on the doorstep of it now. Yeah, I I would agree with that. That's uh, well said. So let's talk about the eclipse. 26 is the eclipse, and we're going to go a little further into it because I think it's going to, in Southeast Asia, you're saying there could be some really kind of, uh, some potential for some real unrest, Asia and Southeast Asia. Yeah, so there's a lot going on with uh, with China right now, obviously, and some of that I think is uh, planned, um, and some of it is will probably take on a life of its own. Like I don't think what's happening in Hong Kong started off as something being very spontaneous. Uh, I feel like that that was another kind of astroturfed revolution, and I've got some you know pretty clear. Um, pieces of evidence that, that leads to that. It uh, seems so because what they're originally protesting over was withdrawn almost right away, but they had protests um, and the violence intensified. Right. So what, what happened was is that they continued to, to protest and they kept changing sort of the, the, goal, the, the goalposts. And then yeah. once um, there were lines crossed, now we don't, Again, you know, I don't, I don't claim to know everything, but there are times when people who are dressed in a particular uniform aren't always playing for that team. Uh, that's true globally. Okay. That is true. That's happened in almost every conflict. Whether it's a protester or whether it's a policeman. Exactly. All right. So there could be clashes and skirmishes that look like one side is actually brutalizing the other side when in reality they're they're doing a kabuki theater okay and then what happens is that things begin to escalate and that's where the protests have gone in china is this kind of level of police brutality and i get 
I get a, a, a updates from this guy that lives in China, Hong Kong, all the time, and he's sending me stuff that is along these lines. That it's like it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse on the brutality side. Well, that, again, to your point, that's not where it started, and and it and it could have abated, but it hasn't. So, I believe that Hong Kong is really the kind of the tinderbox here, and this big domino, this big big domino, and this eclipse that takes place on the twenty sixth. When you look at the eclipse path, it is an annular eclipse, which means that you can see kind of the outer ring of the black sun. Okay. And it's going to, that eclipse path takes place across the South Pacific, including Hong Kong. So, from a kind of a geocosmic or geocentric event, I mean, it's happening there. But then when you look at the chart of Hong Kong, and, and it has that Capricornian midheaven. The eclipse is taking right on top of its Capricornian midheaven. So it's having a sun-sun, solar-solar eclipse right on its midheaven. So I think there could be uh, – I think Hong Kong is ready to explode. And, and, and this eclipse, it, you know, again, we're talking either two and a half weeks before, two and a half weeks after – but on the 26th, it is exact. And I'd be very surprised. Uh, and who knows? Maybe all of a sudden the, the people just stop and they start to hug in the streets and, you know, the world changes. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, that's an outcome I, I, I'll hold the space for. But it's not how the, how the pump has been primed. Okay. And, and this is kind of what we're staring down. So I, I think that, that that eclipse at that time is really, really significant, specifically around Hong Kong and around China. So just, just keep your eyes, keep your eyes on that part of the world. And also, I mean, we're dealing with Uranus and Taurus. You know, that's kind of in the outer reaches of the Ring of Fire. So there could also be some seismic activity around this eclipse as well, because we've seen that with eclipses. Be connected, you know, before and after. Right. Sometimes right on the dot. So uh, I think you were saying that there's a vulnerability, particularly in the area of Indonesia, in terms of seismic activity. Yeah, absolutely. Right around there. Yes, that was my my hit. Yeah. Okay. Now, one thing that you mentioned in your in the notes, our little my little cliff notes here, is that this period of time you were talking about um, with this eclipse is it, it casts kind of a dark luminescence. And this is also a time that people that practice the dark arts are kind of dialed into because they feel they can use that extra power. Just as we can take it up to a masterful level and transcend a lot of this, they can also utilize that. And oftentimes when it comes to these manipulative forces, uh, dark arts are a part of the practice and always has been. So what kind of things might you expect us to kind of keep an eye out for? Well, it's interesting because when I started to look at it and, you know, really kind of size things up, I realized, well, this eclipse is happening in uh, the sign of Capricorn. And very, very early, we're talking what, two, three degrees Capricorn. And then I began to think about Saturn and how Saturn has this sort of um, history of being the black sun and the original source of of light for our solar system. And I'm like, well, well, guess what? I mean, this eclipse really is a black sun and and it is radiating through the sign of Capricorn ruled by the planet of Saturn. So this, this is a manifestation of the black sun. And there are groups that are dedicated to the cult of the black sun. Um, there was this guy, what was his name? Harry. I always want to call him Harry Duncan, but I don't think that's his name. He was an American. He lived in Paris and he hung out with F. Scott Fitzgerald and Crowley and he wrote nothing but poems about the Black Sun, and they're all. And I and I remember looking at these poems in college, and thinking about, well, you know, is there any lightning in here? And I, and I went into it. It's like, man, this stuff is really dark. Yeah. Really dark. So the, this with sacrifice and you know and entrails and blood and you know all these things that we've been um, 
um, we've been doing, we, we've been sort of searching into. Right? Yeah. So that's the dark side. That's the potential on the dark side for those who want to play with dark arts. That's not us. That's not the people watching this. We're going to go to our most magnanimous and most masterful part during this time. So now we move into Mars and Scorpio. I wanted to say one more thing really quickly about sure. that. Sure. I was, uh, I was in a chat room, a couple, um, Jay and I just did a show and um, I was in, a, I was in Jay's chat room and this uh, one person brought up, uh, that at one point in time with this with this black sun that the light on earth theoretically was purple which i thought was interesting especially with the that's, uh, I, I think that's the work of Zaviant Hayes whom i've interviewed yes okay so that's and then the, there was like oxygen more oxygen on the planet right and there yeah. was like yeah right yeah. so that's the other side of it too right it also speaks to a time Right. I, I just—it's no. It's I, I did that interview actually in London, so it wasn't Zaviantes. It was another young guy like him. Sorry, can't remember the name, but it's in the guy archives. Actually, go ahead. Sorry. Right. So, so that's the other side of it, right? I mean, that's when people theoretically lived to be thousands yeah. of years old. Yes. Because it was the time of Methuselah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, that's just that's just the flip side of you know the sort of the darker side. Yes. Okay, good. Thank you for sharing that. Now let's go to uh, Mars in Scorpio till the beginning of 2020. Right. Um, so we have Mars in Scorpio, which we're at now. And, you know, it's one of those aspects that can be very good when it comes to um, hunting down your shadow. You know, if you're really into. Uh, what's what's worth stalking, right? If you're really into that kind of Castaneda shamanic-like version of stalking your shadow, where you're hanging out, um, it can be really powerful, really, really powerful. Also, Scorpio, Mars Scorpio is great. I mean, it's a really great energy. Uh, it's great for investing in other forms of currency besides uh, hard metals or hard assets. So there could be some opportunities if you are looking to um, play around with cryptocurrencies or something else. Um, also, it's a regenerative aspect. And this is a time where you should be really looking at where Mars is showing up in your chart so you can regenerate yourself. So, and this is going to happen through the, the, the end of the year, begin moving into, I think, uh, 3rd of January, where it moves into Sagittarius. But it's intense energy. It's not lightweight energy. If you, no. if you, and, and if you play, and if you, if you use it in the way that it's meant to be used, you can really move some things and push through some things psychically. I mean, I love this aspect of it. If you're up to it, I mean, it's almost like it's it's the ultimate kind of internal and external. Uh, battle between light and dark, um, and it's it, it, even uh, well the the what's supposed to be the final Star Wars movie is showing up during that period of time. You know, so people are kind of they're going to be doing this through you know a, a surrogate experience. But you're, I mean, if we took it on a little more literally, it might not be a bad thing, right? Right. It may not may not be a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't believe it'll be the last Star Wars movie. I don't either. I'm laughing too. Um, I, yeah, right. It gets everybody to the theater. I agree I, with you. I, I, yeah. <laughs> it's premature celebrating. Yeah. So here we are. Okay. Mars, I'm going to read this one. Mars Square, New uh, Neptune in the last week of January. You're saying that it feels a lot like mass deplatforming, shadow banning, and virtual book burns. W victims, martyrs, saints. What the heck? What's this mean? Yeah, so when we get into, because uh, Mars, Mars is Sagittarius again, the pursuit of truth, authenticity, you know, God, crusades, the big picture, right? Self-expression uh, at the highest divine order, things like that. Mars is very active. It's very warrior-like. And Neptune in Pisces, we've seen this throughout Neptune and Pisces reign which has been the celebration of the victim, uh, you know, people uh, basically being lauded for 
they're kind of underclass or or um, disabled or disowned status for better or worse. Okay, you can draw your own commentary around that. But it's this has happened with Neptune and Pisces. So what we have now coming is we have these two forces that are going to come together and are going to clash. So quite likely what we're going to see is some kind of event, you know, whether it's another quote unquote shooting or something very public where all of a sudden there'll be a ton of hand wringing and there'll be a ton of outpouring of, you know, grief or, or, you know, condolences or whatever, but will it be the truth? Right. And it could be one of those moments where it may be so forceful, like say for instance, okay. A lot of controversy around Sandy Hook. What if another Sandy Hook-like event happened now, okay? What would happen? Because you'd have a bunch of people, for better or worse, whether they, they took the Sandy Hook, right, who have been switched on, turned on, and now you've got this event. And if, and if there's any kind of uh, wobble or wiggle in something significant, and you've got this Mars-Neptune square, it will not go down well. It will be a massive um, debate and, and rift in pe- people being able to discern what's real and not real. That's number one. That's where the victim and the martyrhood comes in. All right. The other thing that's happening is on December 10th, uh, YouTube is going to drop a lot of channels. Okay, I may not even make it through where YouTube is going because my channel is not monetized. I can't be monetized. I, I've tried to monetize my, both of my channels, and I don't meet YouTube's community guidelines. So they're making a quote-unquote business decision to drop channels that are no longer monetized. Owen Benjamin, who became really popular on YouTube, put out a video last night. He says he's got inside information from somebody at YouTube says after the 10th, he's gone and they're never going to let him back on again. Now this is somebody who gets millions of hits and those are the ones that they report, not the ones that they don't report. So we're going to be dealing with this and that Mars Neptune square period. Now it may not happen all at once may happen with a few whales like they, they did with Alex Jones, right? It may happen with a few whales, but once they get the whales, they'll eventually go down to the tuna. Mm-hmm. So this is what we're staring down. And again, this gets into this paradigm with Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter, all in Capricorn, YouTube slash Google, who owns YouTube, um, being part of that narrative and shutting things down. So this is where that truth thing, Mars and Sagittarius, clashes against well, this is for the greater good. We can't have this for the greater good now. And the greater uh, good. If it's based on monetization, if that? it's based on monetization concerns, it's not for the greater good. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a huge debate around what, how far should YouTube, Facebook, etc., be allowed to go? When you have snuff films on Facebook, that's gone too far. There's no doubt about it. There has to be a certain point at which we say. When do we become at least somewhat civilized as human beings again? But on the other hand, you don't limit someone's message out of preference or for lack of monetization. That's not right. Well, I mean, so you have to ask yourself, is there a quote-unquote ethical trade-off? You know, Facebook won't even allow you to post the inserts on a vaccine anymore. Yeah. So is the ethical trade-off that you allow a snuff film? So the ethical... Uh, so that, that that the inserts on vaccines can be posted. Is that the ethical trade-off we're, we're having this well, This is very difficult. Um, yeah, Sasha Baron Cohn did a, an address recently where put a suit and tie on, you know, and he talked about, uh, he, he also, he addressed some of his work. He said much of it is prurient and sophomoric. We all know that. He said some of it's to make a point, to show these deep divides and these deep prejudices we have. But there comes a point at which a certain ma- amount of um, kind of ethics and morality has to start re-entering society. And he wasn't, it, it, 
he didn't have a specific uh, agenda that I could tell in terms of the way in which one goes about limiting messages, just that we have to start waking up and taking responsibility ourselves for what we're choosing to support and buy into out there because there is a lot of, you know, the consciousness when it comes to this media has sunken very, very low. I think he has a very specific agenda. His agenda is aligned with the ADL and the ADL will squash anybody who has any dissent about Israel. The Zionism. Absolutely. Zionism. Yeah, there is that. Want to talk about bankers or George Soros or the Rothschilds or the Goldschmidts or anybody anybody that's connected even remotely in that way? The ADL wants to eliminate any dialogue around that. And Sasha Baron Cohen uh, has hitched his train to the ADL, so it's very clear what his agenda is. Well, I was pleased to hear him say because that was my thought too. Um, that was clear. That's part of it. Um, the other part well, was way, this is a guy that makes jokes about Israel doing 9-11, snicker, 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 yeah. right? Yeah. Same guy. You got to be careful. I'm just throwing that out there. Okay, I hear you. I was, you know, I'm a little more innocent in all this stuff, and I was appreciative, appreciative of some of the comments that he made in terms of propagating anti-Muslim information as well as others. So he at least attempted to be meted and fair-handed in the address. But this is what's going on in people's minds is how far – is too far, and yet not giving up the personal ability to express oneself because we have free rights of speech, which we're all here because of that. We right. wouldn't be able to do this in other countries. Let's be clear. He's not an American, okay? Yeah. He's not a, he doesn't speak for me. Yeah. He doesn't speak for this country. And whether the Constitution is a ragged piece of paper that's been abrogated by the Patriot Act, there's still the First Amendment, yeah. The Second Amendment, and you know, thanks for your input, Sasha Baron Cohen. Go back and deal with Brexit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's doing that too, stirring stuff up on that one. But when it comes down to what you're talking about, again, if you're saying monetization is the key uh, element in terms of determining who stays on and who doesn't, um, what can we do about that? That's wrong. Just because someone doesn't have the ability or desire to monetize does not mean their voice should not be heard. Well, it's, a, it's an arbitrary standard. It's just very arbitrary. Standard. That's all. That's all. They're just yeah. using it as a standard. And it's arbitrary. So if they don't like your content and it doesn't meet their community standards, which means you can't be monetized, you're out of there. They just found, they found the thing. They found the thing. That's what they yeah. did. They found yeah. their little glitch, right? Right. And uh, so. Yeah. They're going to yeah. get a lot of blowback on that one. What's that? They're going to get a lot of blowback on that one when people's favorite sites start disappearing. Yeah, this, and hopefully, you know, what happens is a lot of times they'll do something and it'll be a big overcorrect. Yeah. And then they'll let people back in, but the ones that they want to keep out, they'll keep them out, right? So they'll get what they want, right? It's like people, when they when they put something together in a bill for Congress or, you know, they'll They'll throw it all in there. They don't expect to get everything. Right. But they get, like, the five key things out of the ten things that they want, then that's a win for them. And I think that's how YouTube and Google will see this. Well, let's see how it goes down because we're all vulnerable to this one. Now, yeah. And so now let's pick it up with Saturn-Pluto conjunction, lunar eclipse on one eleven, which is uh, my stepson's birthday. <laughs> and he's a powerful little player with a lot of powerful changes coming up. But let's talk about what this means to us at large, because I've heard a number of astrologers talk about this. So I, for me, I've been, um, I've been doing a, a, some interesting research on Tartaria. And I know that you probably have played around with Tartaria and talked to some Tartarian people. John Levy has a really, really good YouTube channel around Tartaria. And Jay and I just did a show last week. And some of the things that I've been exploring have brought me to this concept of the reset. And um, a lot of people think of reset in terms of economy, the global financial reset. I tend to think of it as that and more that there is a chronological reset, cultural reset, economic reset, 
And the idea around Tartaria was that there was a civilization that was global. And around 1848, 1849, 1850, something happens. Like something major happens. And it's almost like there's this different chronology that takes place. So I looked at the astrology around that, which I've done a whole bunch of shows on already. I don't want to get into here. But what I was able to infer from that period of time and from what was going on then and what we're seeing now is that we are in the midst of the next reset. Like it is happening. And when the final piece of the reset happens, it will happen very quickly and people won't know what hit them. And it'll be like there will be a before and an after. It won't be like the steady decline of a year or two years or three years. And I don't know specifically when that time is coming, but this eclipse on the 11th with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction is going to give us some insight into that, insight into this reset. So now are you, are you referring to things as literal as uh, the replacement of Federal Reserve notes with potentially with U.S. Treasury notes all the way to maybe deeper involvement in cryptocurrencies, dissolution of currencies in general? And then what, what are you speaking about on an economic model level? And then what are you talking about beyond economics? Well, so on an economic level, it's pretty clear that the fiat currency has run its course and that there's just bleeding going on and everything is just pumped up and based on steroidal debt that is unpayable into the future. I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. These politicians who sit there and say that we can pay for all this is just, they're completely nuts. Unless of course they're going to leverage everything and everybody moving forward in order to pay for it you know, human capital, that's a whole other discussion. So we have to come to some conclusion that the fiat game is going to end and it will end. Whether it ends gracefully, whether it ends abruptly, it will end. And it will end within the next seven year cycle with Uranus and Taurus, which by the way, was one of the outer planets that took place, that was in in the astrological sky in 1850, when this kind of Tartarian reset theoretically took place. Okay, so that's one factor we have to look at. Now, will we see that on this eclipse? We might be able to see it on this eclipse. We might see a massive tremor in the financial markets. I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, the hints are already there, but go ahead. And we're already dealing, like, so one of the things that I, that I think maybe you and I talked about last time, and these continue to be more uh, very popular, are these um, these apps like Rakuten and Posh, and where you get money back, money back, money back. Right. And these are going to become more popular because the dollar is going to be able to purchase less. Mm-hmm. So they're going to incentivize people to go through these apps so you can actually get more, get you more away from spending that well at some point it's going to become a necessity right there may be the only form of transaction possible that's that could be a little bit down the line but anyway um so that's that's going to take place and that's already in motion but there's something even beyond that that i think is kind of what i'm speaking to about this reset and that is the eradication of history in the last 200 years and that is very dramatic in its, in its um, scope and in its um, premise. What do you mean the eradication of history? Well, for instance, I'll, I'll give you like a really basic uh, thumbnail. The last three years, let's say, they were going through the South, uh, taking down statuary of the Civil War, right? Robert E. Lee, blah, 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 blah. And whether you uh, agree with it or not, um, it's the eradication of history. These are historical monuments that are removed. The Soviets were great at this, right? They just they just eradicated what, you know, even, even Stalin, who was a god, once Stalin was gone, they eradicated him, right? That's why we're, we're moving on. It's the, it's the new Politburo. But this is, this is already happening. 
We're seeing it now on college campuses where new schools of thought are being taught. There's this whole idea that everything that's connected with how we got here now is toxic, um, is tainted, and needs to be eradicated. That we're living off the fumes of this so-called colonialism and no progress, no change can ever occur unless it's burned to the ground. This is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And the reset has this at its heart because if you go back and look and this Tartarian stuff is very, it's controversial. Not everybody buys into it. It's, you know, it's kind of a, a, a kissing cousin, a flat earth in some ways. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a flat earther, but the yeah. Tartarian stuff really grabbed me mm -hmm. and began to speak back to me so much. And I just want to share this, that when Jay and I were, were talking about this a week ago, um, I was talking about the Pied Piper of Hamlet. And, and, I, and the Pied Piper of Hamlet is a theme that, for me, really spoke to this Tartarian piece because it gets into orphan trains and orphans and all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And so I started to talk about the Pied Piper of Hamlet. Well, just yesterday, John Levy uploads a new video. It's like, where did all the kids come from? And he's, he dives into this thing that happened during World War II. It was called Operation Pied Piper. And they were taking these kids, saying, well, you're in a really dangerous place. We got to take you out of here. Right? And then, well, what are they doing with those kids? A lot of those kids never went back home. And he gets into the original Pied Piper of Hamlin story as well. So when I, when I get into stuff like this, and all of a sudden now, I've got this dialogue with, and I know that other people have the same thing, and you do too, Regina, right? And all of a sudden, this thing starts, like, talking back to you. you I'm listening. I'm all ears. So it feels to me like we are in this reset process, and it's not just economic. It's not even political, although it, it actually – has some of those things as part of it it's something along the lines of we wake up and let's say it's 2025 or 2026 or 2027 and there's very little memory of what's happened over the last 200 years well oddly funny you should say that um just on a um metaphysical level Remember many years ago, the beings that educated me for many years uh, explained what would be happening during this period of time coming up. And this is starting to become interesting because it dovetails with what you're saying and I'm seeing evidence of it. They were talk I was asking questions about the dissipation of the magnetic field. And they said, well, the, 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 the most uh, contentious part of that or challenging part of that will be that the human brain operates. That's its protective field. The magnetic field is how our brains operate. And once that's dissipated, there's less connection to what we see as kind of structured reality in our own perception. And one of the things that would be happening is not only craziness in the world, mental instability, but also a type of dreaminess in that it would become hard to distinguish what's real and what's not. What was a dream, for example, versus what happened in our waking hours. Now, I'm seeing something really odd with this. Um, I've always been an active dreamer, but I'll close my eyes and I'm not even seconds away from closing my eyes. I'm not asleep yet. I'm seeing other people's realities. I'm watching people at another dinner table somewhere, people I don't know. I'm dropping into all kinds of different realities. And so I spoke with a close friend of mine, another former news anchor, and she said, I don't think I've ever told you about this, but it's almost as though I have this other life running parallel somewhere else. And there are days I don't know if what I'm seeing and saying comes from my world here or that other place that I keep crossing over into. So the erasure of history on a human level, I think, is almost inevitable with the geophysics of what's going on. In well, I think that you're probably, uh, uh, that sounds very correct to me. And I also feel that a lot of this is also being socially engineered. because yeah, I think you got that interference too. I would agree with that. Because the people that managed, theoretically, the last reset, well, they're 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 
managing the new reset now and through different modalities, very, very different modalities. And some of which I've talked about and it can, can be seen as quite controversial in some ways. Um, but to your point about living these alternate lives, I've had that experience too. I, yeah. Well, no one used to talk about this. I've done a few shows on it recently, both at Gaia and on my site, because it's becoming so prominent in our experience. So I think just to be aware of it. And also, I remember years ago, these beings telling me, one of the things you can do is you can find, if you find one that works for you, find various little magnetic devices that you can wear as necklaces, earrings, and on your body, um, test them, see that they're compatible with your field, but that if you can keep magnetics a magnetic field supported even very close around your head and your body, it will help some during this period of time because it's a known period of time. Uh, it's known that this was going to happen with the earth and all of its inhabitants, all of its animals, it's uh, all of the kingdoms here. So I think it, it help ourselves how we can, but also be aware. It's also like you say, perhaps uh, on an organic level, a reset to living kind of a multi-dimensional, consciously multi-dimensional life. Yeah. Well, you know, Capricorn is uh, the ruler of time. You know, it's Cap you know, we see images of Kronos and um, the Grim Reaper and all associated with uh, the sign of Capricorn. So time and Kronos are going to be a big part of the story in, uh, in 2020 and in, especially in the early part of the year because we're in those very... Um, early decans of Capricorn, both with Jupiter and the sun, and we have the two eclipses that are going to be taking place and the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. So it's going to be a very, very interesting time. And, and again, people should only be afraid in as much as they let fear determine um, their reality. And, and, right. if you, and if you can step forward in real fullness um, and, and face where we're going uh, without fear, you can navigate these changes in ways that other people may not be able to. It's, it reminds me uh, of the movie Fearless with uh, Jeff Bridges, mm -hmm. which is a kind of a brilliant movie. And if you've never seen it, Jeff Bridges is on an airplane. And while the plane is going down, he becomes conscious and aware. And is that and in, in a very different state than everybody else that is actually able to help people survives the crash. And then he's able to interact with people and their lives in an almost godlike fashion in some ways. I love that as our kind of as we draw to a close here. I love that as an analogy, and that speaks to me as being truthful, each one of us has that within ourselves, if we can rise up into it. And I do, I see this as really a, an amazing opportunity to rise to the highest and best within ourselves during all of this. And we don't have to lose our sanity. It's just becoming more spiritually mature and aware of the nature of reality, which is much more vast than that narrow little shoot that we've been shoved down for the last several thousand years. So yeah, it's maybe just going back into our truer nature anyway, and just learning how to navigate it, as you say. So any final thoughts, Robert, before we tie up? Yeah, one other thought, and I think that this is maybe the most important one, is that, um, you know, there's, there's can be a lot of um, charge around this idea of God. You know, like I used God uh, on a post yesterday and somebody said, well, I really like that term logos better, okay, because it's not so charged. And I'm like, okay, well, that, that's fine. But whatever you want to term the thing that connects all of us and makes us better people, um, you got to get, get right with this source. Like that's really important to get really right with this source. Like that should be first and foremost in your life right now. So get right with that, get clear with that. So you can latch on to that light and that can be your guiding 
you know, your LED lamp through these times. I think that's step number one. Couldn't agree more, Robert. So on that note, okay, here we go, off into 2020. And I really appreciate your bringing all this forward because I think it's wise to be forewarned. I don't think it's, uh, yeah, we could have avoided doing this one and say, we'll pick it up in the spring or summer if things are more pleasant by then. But that's not the right thing to do. We have to tune into all the cycles and, uh, and do the best we can within them. So I thank you again. And I will be seeing you in the spring of 2020. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll all get through all of this together. Okay, Robert, have a wonderful um, holiday season in the remaining days of 2019. Thanks, Regina. Again, everybody, you can go to robertphoenix.com and check out Robert's work further. Also get involved in some of his other media and even uh, work on private sessions with him. So until next time, thank you for joining us here on reginameredith.com. <laughs>